0: Good, good, good. I liked the sunshine. Who liked the sunshine today? Oh, praise God, the sun came out. It was so nice. So we're in Hebrews 7 for you that um, don't know where we're at. We're in Hebrews 7, and we're going to cover it tonight. Um, But before we cover it and go through it, you've got a handout that says Apostolic Footnotes on Psalm 110. Mm -hmm. Do y'all see that? Okay, so I want us to go to Psalm 110, and we're going to cover it real quick. Because the oath about the priesthood that we're talking about, the new priesthood, Christ's priesthood, is in Psalm 110. Okay, and we need to be very familiar with this. This is a messianic psalm, so it's about Christ. So let's just, um, Bruce, you want to pray for us, and then we'll take off. So the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Does that sound familiar? Did we hear about that in Hebrews 1? The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Beautiful language. The Lord has sworn, and now this is where we need to pay attention. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. We need to know where that's at. One ten four, and we need to be able to quote it to really study Hebrews. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. So we have this messianic psalm, and the Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now I want us to go through. It's going to take us about 14 minutes. Bruce and I timed this. I want us to go through these footnotes. These are the say the Apostolic Bible, the Apostolic Bible footnotes on on, on uh, Psalm 110. So this is uh, this is our people, okay? So the Christology or Christology of Psalm 110 is so significant. There are direct quotes and allusions to it. In 22 chapters of the New Testament. This psalm we just read. There are quotations or allusions to it. In 22 chapters of the New Testament. The influence of this psalm is felt in at least 11 of the 27 books in the New Testament. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted Psalm 1 To provide scriptural support for his claim that God had made Jesus both Lord and Christ God had made Jesus both Lord and Christ Jesus quoted the same verse that Peter quoted confounding the unbelieving Pharisees you can uh, see that in Matthew twenty-two forty-one 41 through 46 these Pharisees could not answer Jesus's question how could the Messiah be both David's son and David's Lord that's the question he asked how can he be David's son and David's Lord So in verses, in uh, the first four verses, in these verses, the Lord, Jehovah, speaks to David's Lord Adonai. So look down below it. Jehovah is uh, a form of the Hebrew name for God, and it is the holiest name of God to the Hebrews. They won't say it. They'll write the letters, Jehovah. Jehovah. So that's, that's what they did. And then Adonai is a Hebrew name for God also. Uh, although we see Yahweh proper frequently, both Adonai and Yahweh mean Lord. They both mean Lord. But Adonai gives us more of a hint about what the Lord's role is in our lives. Adonai means master or Lord, showing God has sovereignty over us. So the Lord said unto my Lord... Now, David was a prophet, so this isn't happening in David's time, okay? That's what they're fixing to tell us. David is prophesying of a future time that that's going to be said. The Lord said unto my Lord, and they're fixing to explain that. David was a prophet, and as a prophet, he foretold the future. David foretells the conversation recorded in Psalm 110, but it occurred in conjunction with the ascension of Christ when did that occur when Christ ascended even though it's prophesied back here in 110 the lord said unto my lord this or the first so acts 230 through 36 therefore being a prophet that's david And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. You're probably all very familiar with that. David's line was the line of Judah, and the Lord had told him, you know, kings will come from your tribe, and uh, the king, the king, the Messiah, the anointed one will sit on the throne. He's seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that as his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear, for David is not ascended into the heavens. But he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. And this is in Hebrews one. We we, we talked about this. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Christ is anointed one. Messiah Christ, the anointed one. So all conversations between Jehovah and Messiah recorded in Scripture are due to the Messiah's genuine and full humanity. This is the apostolic Bible. Okay? We need to get this. The Messiah is God Himself manifest in human existence. Somebody, Jay, are you are, do you like to read Jay? You don't like to read, Naomi, read John 1, 1 through 4. It's on your paper. Oh, sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made in him was life, and the life was the life of men. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and, and manifest. We know that. that, And we talked about in Hebrews 1 that he is the creator and that he created with the Word. Who's got 1 Timothy 3.16? Who should read that?
1: I got it. What? Without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, Believed up in the world,
0: received up into glory. And then Sister Ellen, if you'll take 1 John 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's it's saying we've handled him. He's the word of life, uh, showing to you this eternal life, uh, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And it's declaring it. But in adding, let's get, this is the part we need to get. But in adding human existence to his deity, he did not have it before he came, okay? But in adding human existence to his deity, the Messiah embraced the full range of human identity. I think sometimes we're so oneness that we miss this, and you can't miss it and understand the priesthood. And that's why they keep drilling it into us. And talking about the priesthood is meat. They said, we want to get off the milk, and now we want to get into the... Meet. Look at 5, look at 6, look at 7. I want to tell you more about it, but you're dull of hearing. And they're teaching us about the priesthood. This is the apostolic Bible. This isn't Jill saying this, okay? I got, I got the authority of, our, of the apostolic Bible. So he was not partially human. Thus, he had, a, he had a human mind and personality that never existed before the incarnation. His humanity. God was manifest in human mind and personality of Jesus, just as he was in every aspect of his humanity. But his deity did not overwhelm or consume his humanity. It's a dual nature. That Jesus was God manifest in the flesh does not mean that any aspect of his humanity was obliterated minimized or subdued to the point of being virtually eliminated. This means that Jesus, like any human being, was able to communicate with God from his human consciousness. He was able to communicate with God from his human consciousness, even as the divine nature was manifest in his human consciousness. God was able to communicate with him on the same basis. This That this is an accurate description can be seen in texts like Luke two fifty two, And Jesus increased in what? Wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So to say that the communication between God and the Messiah is communication between two divine persons is to suggest more than one center of consciousness within God. There's not two gods, is there? There's not two center of consciousness in God. That the interaction between Jehovah and Adonai, the Lord said unto my Lord, uh, is due to the fact that the Messiah is human. The anointed one can be seen in Jehovah's statement to the Messiah. Thou art a priest forever... After the order of Melchizedek. For the Messiah to be a priest requires that he have what? That dual nature. He's got to be human. He has to fully share in the human existence of those whom he represents to God. Remember when we studied one of the requirements. He's got to be. He's got to be able to represent God to man and man to God. He can't do that if he's just God, can he? he? He's got the dual nature. Hebrews two seventeen. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So, so the reason he, one of the reasons he had to be manifest in the flesh, of course, it was the offering. That's where we always go to, you know, to get the offering, but was to be the merciful and faithful high priest and to represent us in things pertaining to God. Hebrews 4, this is stuff we've already covered, but we're just going over it. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, seeing then That we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Do you remember when we went to the Messianic Psalm and he's crying out on the cross and he's suffering? Do you remember that? And we said in every way that we've ever been tempted, Naomi, things trying to break through our faith shield, things trying to hurt us, those temptations, he's been tempted in every one of those. That's why he can secure us. He can aid us when we go to him and we can tell him everything we're dealing with and he can deal with it because he can relate to it. Have you ever talked to someone and they're struggling and they're hurting and you've been there and your heart just cries for them just just hurts for them and you're able to really really pray for them like it will stay with you because you so identify with it that's our high priest That is our high priest. And he prays for us and he intercedes for us. And his ability comes from him being perfected. Remember when we talked about him being perfected through the things that he suffered? He was perfected. He was matured in this aspect. Not that not perfection in contrast to sin, but perfection into maturity and being able to minister to us in this aspect. So Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. So the the, the regular Levitical priest the hyper, they could have compassion because of their weaknesses. Okay, when when they would come. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. So when the Levitical priests, the ones that came, they they could have compassion too because they had weaknesses. But they also had to offer sacrifices for their sins. Christ did not ever have to do that because he never sinned. Even with his dual nature, he never sinned. And no man taketh this honor unto himself. No man makes himself a high priest, do they? We learned that lesson from Korah, don't we? In Numbers. We learned that lesson from Aaron's rod batting, don't we? But he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So this is, you're ordained to be a high priest, okay? You're called to be a high priest. Very, very significant. God puts that person there. And we're going to see tonight that Christ is there Forever, forever, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. He didn't make himself a high priest, Christ, the anointed one. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Remember in one what the father said about the son was very significant. That's one of the things that was quoted there. He also said in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So as a man, he had great awe, respect. He had the fear of God. He had it. That just said it. It, He was heard. His prayer was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son. Say, though we were a son. son." The son of God. Though we were the son. Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. He learned. He learned. he, He said, not my will but thine be done. He suffered through those prayers and through fulfilling the will of God for his life. And being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And we love the apostolic doctrine in obeying it, don't we? The, the message. We love that. Called uh, of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So the statement, sit thou at my right hand, does not refer to a specific geographical location. He's not up there in heaven sitting on the throne, sitting on a seat, is he? It means the right hand of the Lord is a figure of speech referring to his power and his authority. In conjunction with the ascension, the Messiah has been exalted to the position of ultimate power and authority. Do you remember when we talked about him being the heir? All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, go ye therefore, and all the different things that he would inherit. So Philippians 2, 19 through 9 through 11 says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That, now, we just talked about 110. It was at the exaltation that that was said. Okay? has highly and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Okay, so I wanted to cover that with you because Psalms 119 is so significant. It's used in so many chapters of the New Testament and it's very significant to the book of Hebrews. So I hope that you will go back and study this many times and get much more familiar with it and maybe read some footnotes and do some more study on it. So we're still talking about the priesthood. We're in Hebrews 7, and it's just the recurring theme, Jesus as our high priest. And what are some of the ways that he has been described? What are some of the things we've been told about the high priest? Well, you you can look on your handout, and it might give you a clue. We're on the priesthood Hebrews 7 handout. He's merciful and faithful, High Priest. This is the first time that Jesus is called the High Priest ever. Here, I think this is where it's at. Hebrews two seventeen. He's the High Priest of our profession. In three one, do you remember when we were we talked about them provoking uh, God in the wilderness? and all that, and that they use that story, the wilderness story, to show that we needed to encourage and exhort one another and profess that he's able to carry us through COVID-19. He's able to carry us through all this crazy political stuff. He's able to carry us through. We're not to murmur and complain. He can aid us. He can secure us. He can uphold us, and we're to profess that and that we're very, very uh, important to one another to build one another up and to pray for one another's faith because we don't want to miss entering into those promises and stopping short. And when we have struggle with unbelief and we struggle with different things, we need to take it to who? Our high priest. Our high priest that knows what it's like to struggle to fulfill the will of God. Okay, so then we also talked about a great high priest which has passed through the heavens. He's gone into the real holy of holies, hasn't he? And Naomi is not just once a year like the Levitical priest. He's gone into the the real tabernacle, and he's one time put that offering, and he has sat down because he doesn't have to do it again. Those priests in the Old Testament, those uh, priests after the order of Levi and Aaron, they never, ever got to sit down. And then we also said in 14, 415, he is the high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He can share in our suffering, Sister Rose. When we, he lost somebody and cried about it, he owed uh, people's death. He can share in it and he can comfort us and he can aid us and strengthen us. Then the qualities required in a high priest. Divine appointment, we already talked about that. Aaron being chosen, that Christ didn't choose himself, that the Father put him in that position. Didn't we just read Scripture that just said that? We talked about his human, the human sympathy that's covered. That was required. And then uh, here's a footnote. Inherent in being a priest and representing people to God was the constraint that the priest had to be in all respects like those he represented. So his humanity had to be there. But tonight we're going to take these people that are thinking about going back to Judaism, that are thinking about going back to the Levitical priesthood. He's already showed them chapter 1. He's the last day spokesman. He's greater than creation. He's greater than the angel. He's the captain of our salvation. Chapter 2, you know, the warning about how bad it would be to go back, you know, that you couldn't be saved. And, And he's brought him all the way through. Now he's going to show them He's greater than your priesthood. In fact, you can't be perfected under your priesthood. You've got to have this priesthood. So he's taking these people that are drifting. Be careful that you don't drift. These people that are being being in trials and discouraged into a different situation. And he's going to show them, look at what a great high priest you have. Look, you've got an eternal priest. You know, your Levitical priest, the, your high priest had to be changed because they died. You know, they would serve and then they would die. But this one has the power of an endless life. He will never, ever die. And then to show his character, he's sinless. He's holy. He's blameless. And then to show how he's merciful and faithful and sympathetic. And he ever liveth to intercede for us and to help us. So a change in the priesthood. And being made perfect... That was through the suffering he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And then 620, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That was six. So the high priest of Israel, beginning with Aaron, that's the Levitical priest, were anointed as were the kings of Israel and some of the prophets, and Jesus combines in His person the two offices. Watch, we've not seen this other than with Mel- Melchizedek, and just these little tiny glimpses in the Psalm one in Psalm uh, one ten, and then in a place that we're going to go in Genesis fourteen. We just have little tiny glimpses of this King Priest that Jesus is after the order, but we're finding out here. He's not just a high priest. He is a king. He's anointed king and he's anointed high priest. So they're combining him. Jesus combines in his person the offices of high priest and king. So he is the anointed one, which is the meaning of the names Messiah and Christ, the anointed one. So if we change the priesthood, what else has to change? When did the priesthood happen? When did the tabernacle happen? When did all of that happen? Mount Sinai. Moses' tabernacle plan. Who who to be? Who to be the priest? So the law told us, commanded, who the priests were. So if you're going to do something that's not in the law, if you're going to take somebody from the tribe of Judah and you're going to make them the high priest, what has to change? The law. The law. And we're going to see that tonight, that they're going to explain that to us in chapter 7. So resuming the discussion of Jesus as high priest, the superiority of Melchizedek to Abraham, we're going to see he's superior to Abraham. Abraham's going to receive a blessing from him, and that's going to prove that... uh, Melchizedek is greater and Abraham is going to pay tithes to him and because Abraham paid tithes that means that Levi paid tithes because Levi was in his loins that's how they say it when he paid tithes so that's the argument the writer uses to say this, the high priest, the, pre, the Melchizedek priesthood is greater than Abraham. He's convincing these Jews now he's greater than Abraham and he's greater than Levi. And that's that's how he does it. So, reasons are then given why a new priest after the order, that's 1 through 10, what I just covered. Then, uh, then 11 through 19, reasons are given why a new priest after the order of Melchizedek was necessary. Why was he necessary? What do you think we're going to cover? Why couldn't we just keep going on with the Aaronic priesthood? The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. We could never have fellowship with God. We could never go to heaven. It can't enter in. Sin couldn't be taken away, it could just be covered temporarily. So finally, verses 20 through 28, the greatness of Jesus as our new high priest is going to be explained. So we're going to see it's a better priesthood. It's given by the oath of the Lord. The Lord has sworn, will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's surety of a better covenant. We're going to go from the old covenant to the new and it's surety for it. It's unchangeable. We don't ever have to worry about having a different high priest or somebody else coming into authority over us that we would go to. It's able to save us to the uttermost. The law could not do that. The old covenant could not do that. He always lives to make intercession for us. And look at his character holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Offered up himself once for all, and he has been perfected forever. And perfection is now attainable for man. We're going to see that's going to be a new theme as we go forward, that we are to mature. We are to be able to teach this, to understand this, and, and to be able to overcome our struggles with our, by our high priest helping us and aiding us. Okay, so we finally get to change.
1: <laughs> our,
0: our, we're on our second one. So we're not going to go to the questions right now. We may come back to those if we have time. So let's ta- let's take off reading for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, seven yeah. one. Are y'all there? Yes. So we're going to go through the chapter, but we're going to we're going to stop and we're going to go over and go th- back to Genesis fourteen. So you need you need Hebrews seven. And you need Genesis 14, because we're going to look at both of those. Are y'all learning anything? Yes. Okay. This is meat, and we chew meat slower, don't we? We drink milk real quick, don't we? We're, we're chewing. <laughs> we're chewing on this tonight. Okay. For this Melchizedek, and it's spelled one way in Hebrews, and it's spelled a different way in uh, In Genesis, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem means peace, say peace. Peace. And it's part of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This Salem will later be Jerusalem, okay? The city of the great king, all right? For this Melchizedek, king of peace, priest of the most high God, that's El Elyon, the most high God, meaning the God that's the strongest God. Stronger than any nation, stronger than anything. Priest of the Most High God. He's not a Jew in his oneness. Priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. He's going to meet Abraham after a battle where kings are slaughtered. The Most High's got power over the kings of the earth. Didn't we read in 1.10 that he does? To whom also Abram gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. Say king of righteousness. Righteousness. And after that, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Do you remember in chapter 1 where we read, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God hath anointed thee, With the oil of gladness above thy fellows, thy brethren. He's the king of righteousness. He loves righteousness. He never sins. He hates iniquity. And he's the anointed one. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. You can run down a rabbit hole with this that you never come out of. But do you know what I think it simply means? He's not tied to the Levitical priest that had their genealogy. You see what I'm saying? They all had this genealogy that they trace back through everything because you couldn't be a priest. And they're saying, he doesn't even have this, and he's a priest. Well, we know that Christ had a mother. Very, very plain in Galatians tells us that. So we know that. So neither one of them had ties to the Levitical priesthood. They weren't, they didn't have it. Now consider how great this man was. Remember, we talked about considering is mulling it over in our mind till we learn the lesson, till we get it. Consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So let's go flip over to Genesis 14 and let's read about where he blesses Abraham and about where uh, a tenth of the spoils is given, okay? So w- the battle of the clings and we're talking about the slaughter of the kings. So look at, uh, look at, um, let me just, let me just tell you this. There was a king and his name was Chedorlaomer, king of Elam. And he was a conquering king. Okay, he was possessing. He came down into the Jordan Valley, and he overcame some nations, and he made them pay tribute. And they paid tribute for twelve or thirteen years. And the thirteenth or fourteen years, they got tired of paying tribute, Naomi, and they rebelled. And when they rebelled, he came. He he came. Um, he came down to get them. See where see this side? He comes down to get them. And when he comes down to get them, he takes them. He takes these people as slaves, and he takes their food, and he takes their goods. And it's four kings against five, and he's winning. And Abraham hears about this. He hears about it, and he takes 318 servants that he has trained, and he goes after them, and he pursues them. And as he pursues them, he cuts them off. Okay? And the king of Sodom and different places, they go hide. They didn't get taken captive. They go to hide. But, but these four kings against five, they're, they're hauling the people off. And one of them is Lot. And Abraham gets word of this. So he goes up here and he cuts them off. And so he comes all the way back down with the goods. And he gets to the king's valley. And when he gets to the king's valley and he's got the goods... Melchizedek comes out to meet him. And guess what he has? He has wine and he has bread. Okay? That, that's a foreshadow of communion, doesn't it? Of providing for our needs. Merciful and faithful. He's given us eternal life. He's given us bread to eat. My body so that we can have life. You know, the, uh, the wine to drink. So merciful and faithful. This king of righteousness. This king of peace. And he was the king of Salem. The king of peace. So he comes down to me. So let's take it up right there. So we're in, we're in, uh, look at 11. And they took, we're in 1411. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the victuals, that's the food, and they went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite. And just look though to 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, that's kind of like when our big brother heard that we were taken captive. You see it? When Abraham heard, taking captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. So all the way, have you ever heard from Dan to Beersheba? You know, it's all the length, you know, go going all the way up. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them, even unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. He gets it all back. And get, and guess what? Guess what? How, how, how does Abraham have this warring strength? Because he serves El Elyon, the most high God, powerful over all the nations. And we're fixing to read that the victor goes to the spoils, Naomi, he doesn't want any of it. And before he wins the battle, you know what he does? He lifts up his hand. He swears to God, if you'll give me the victory, I won't take one thing, not one thing, if you'll just give me the victory. And guess what? The Most High God did. He gets everything and he comes back. Here comes the king of Sodom. I mean, excuse me, the king Melchizedek. And let's watch their exchange. So... um, and he brought back all the goods, again, his brother Lot, and his goods. And it is, okay, it is the king of Sodom, first and 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cherulamah and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. So we've got two kings coming out. And he was the priest of the most high God and he blessed him and said blessed be Abram of the most high God possessor of heaven and earth. Chalama, you think you're going to possess all these people and get them in tribute? Let me tell you the most high God just, just took a little Hebrew man with 318 servants and just whipped you <laughs> just whipped you good And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So he takes all those spoils that could be his. He's already sworn to God, I'm not taking any of it. But he takes a tenth of all those spoils and he gives them to the king of peace. He gives them to Melchizedek. And the king of Sodom said, uh, and the king of Sodom said, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. So he wants his part, okay? And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine. He'll have fellowship with the king of righteousness, the king of peace. He wants nothing to do with the king of Sodom, because we know what's going on in Sodom, the wickedness and the evil. Lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. You're not going to compromise me. I'm going to be hard save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me. So this tells me they went so fast they didn't back lunch. Abraham's not eaten all night. And here is this precious piece bringing them wine and bringing them bread. And, the and this beautiful exchange between them. And the portion of men which were with me, Aner, Eschol, Mamre, let them take their portion. And then this is my favorite part. 15-1. <laughs> and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in the vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. Have you ever done something awesome? And then afterwards you got scared. How did I? Was that so courageous? I kind of see that's what he's doing. Okay. He says, Fear not, Abram, in a vision. Say, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield. And you don't need any of those spoils because I am your great reward. Isn't that awesome? What a beautiful story. So let's go back to Hebrews 7. And hear the rest of the story. Okay. So we made it through 4. We're on 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now do you understand it better? Yeah, I understand it. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. So the Levitical priests, they didn't get the inheritance of the land. They were commanded in the law to get 10%. The brethren had to give 10%. Okay, that's what they just said. It was in the law. But he whose descent is not counted from them, but somebody that's not a Levite received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Because Abram's the father of the faithful, and he's got the Abrahamic covenant, which predated the law. Okay? And he blessed him. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. I'm going to give you all this land, the stars, uh, the your descendants are going to be the stars of the heaven, the sand of the sea, all of this. And now that wonderful verse about I am your shield and I am your reward. Okay, so he blessed the one that had the promises. And without contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So you people that you are writing to, you, Judaize, you uh, that are thinking about going to Judaism, do you not see how great this high priest is? He's after the order of Melchizedek. And here men that die receive tithes. But there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may may so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. So it's still showing the greatness of Melchizedek. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So on to verse 11, the need for a new priest. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priest, that's the need. And we're going to be talking more about that in chapters to come. This is the meat. We're into the meat. We need to study this and understand it. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. If you could be perfected, there would be no need for this different new priesthood to come. For the priesthood being changed, say being changed. changed. There is made of necessity a change of what? Because there's that relationship. The law and the priesthood. That relationship. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the law. The law said that the Levites were priests. So this has got to change if the order of Melchizedek is going to be the priesthood. 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. What comes from the tribe of Judah? The kings. But we've got a king priest now. Of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Fifteen, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made, not after the law. This did not come from the Mosaic law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For he testified, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is a verily a disannulling of the commandment. It's disannulled. Mm -hmm. Going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. It could not save. It could not perfect you. The law was a schoolmaster to lead us Christ for the law made nothing perfect but the bringing in of a better hope our better hope our, our high priest our our uh, Messiah our anointed one but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh into God so how do we go right into the holy holies with this better hope hope enters within the veil hope will get us behind the veil it enters right in boldly because of his sacrifice, because of who he is, and because of what he has for us, and for the perfection process. So great the greatness of the new priest, 20. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, the Aaronic priests, they were made, uh, the Mosaic priests, but this one with an oath, that's where we started, remember? Psalm one ten four. But this one with an oath by him that said the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this oath is very important. You need to understand it and know it. But so much was Jesus by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. That's what backs it up. He's the surety of it. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. That's what we talked about. They died because of the curse, uh, you know, sin. When sin is uh, finished, it bringeth forth death. But this man, because he continueth ever, never sinless one, the grave couldn't hold him down, hath an unchangeable priesthood. It will never change. Wherefore, because of all of that, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. So we're going to need a lot of saving. We're going to need a lot of faith building. We're going to need a lot of encouragement. We're going to need a lot of help, and so are our good loved ones. So we've got to come unto Him. We've got to go to Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, So that we don't need to fear him. Listen, he's holy. He's harmless. You'd get killed if you tried to go into the holy of holies under the old covenant. But we don't need to fear it anymore. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, sin, and weakness. But the word of the oath, there it is again, the word of the oath, the word of the oath, which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. So Melchizedek, priest of the most high God, king of righteousness, king of peace, Predated the Levitical priesthood, a different order of priesthood with no genealogy that linked back to the Levitical priest. Met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, brought forth bread and wine, communion. What did Melchizedek offer Abraham? What does Christ offer us? the bread and the wine and the blessing. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eateth this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Our merciful, faithful, high priest, melchizedek blessed abraham the less is blessed of the better he's better than abraham the father of the faithful and he blessed him and said blessed be abraham of the most high god possessor of heaven and earth abraham gave him a tithe of the spoils let us consider how great this man is and a There's no comparison. The son is undefiled by sin and thus has no need to offer sacrifices. The Aaronic priests were obligated to offer sacrifices for their sins. The son has a heavenly ministry. The Aaronic priest had an earthly ministry, an earthly tabernacle. The son offered one sacrifice for all. The Aaronic priests offered daily sacrifices. The son offered himself as the sacrifice. The Aaronic priest offered animals and other sacrifices. The son was appointed by divine oath. The Aaronic priests were appointed on the basis of ancestry and the law. The son has been made perfect forever. The Aaronic priests were far from perfect and could not lead men to perfection. So he's the king of peace. Revelation, that's the Jerusalem, later Jerusalem. Revelation three twelve. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He's the high priest. and the, And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is what? Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation twenty one two. And I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation twenty one ten. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending from heaven out of God. Sending from God out of heaven. Or did I read it wrong? The tabernacle of God. Who's the high priest? Jesus. Jesus. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Reconciliation. Oh what a great high priest we have. Well we finished early. Do y'all want to go over the questions or y'all want to dismiss? Let's go over the questions. I drive y'all. Okay. Okay. Hi, who's got them? Bruce, will you go over them with the class? I don't have the, answer. oh, you the answers. I'm yeah, sure. I got the answers on them.
1: <laughs>
0: Come over here.
1: All right, first question What are the main points of this chapter? We'll find out if anybody was paying attention.
0: Just so y'all can just look over him.
1: The greatness of Melchizedek. Melchizedek uh, I wish we knew more about him, but if. We, you know, it's kind of like the first eleven chapters in Genesis cover two thousand years, and then God spends the next thirty-eight chapters covering Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob. And and Larry Clark told me one time, said, If God had wanted us to know more, he'd have told us more. So we wonder why we don't have but two chapters on creation. You know, <laughs> if God wanted us to know more, he'd told us more. Is there anything in history about Melchizedek? I don't think so. You, there's
0: so much written, so many Go and chase him. But one thing I have learned to do is look for what the Lord is wanting you to see. Mm-hmm. He's wanting you to see he's the king of righteousness, he's the king of peace. He predated the ironic priesthood. Right. He's not his genealogy is not tied into the little one. And, I mean, the theologians disagree. And, I mean, you can make that your whole focus of that chapter in
1: this, yeah.
0: what you're being sure. taught.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the key.
0: always look for what it says about the Lord. Always yeah, look for those main points.
1: The, the order, the key, the line, the authority is is different, and it's superior. Right. It You know, just because they're in dry but it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Right. Melchizedek is just That's a higher. That's fulfilled. That yeah. was under where in the Old Testament can we read about Melchizedek? That would be, it's v- briefly mentioned in Psalms 110, but it's the, this, the real story is in Genesis 14. Uh, what do Melchizedek and the Son of God appear to have in common?
0: Now, the, these questions I'm getting off the internet from a man that I like his questions, because, but, but I don't know that I would have answered that question that way.
1: Uh, yeah so because it says it, okay? it says that they had had without father and mother well Christ that's not true because Jesus had both so.
0: but that's what it says But they're talking about the gene I think they're linking it to the genealogy a little bit of you agree with me He's, you're going like
1: that so he, he yeah. knows he uh, knows okay. more about the book All right, we'll you. let Sherwin teach next week <laughs> why is Melchizedek greater than both Abraham and Levi well the proof was that that the they pay tithes. The tithes. Yeah. those were the two arguments. Yeah. The one blessing is ble- the scripture says the lesser was blessed by the greater. The so the that's one proof. And secondly, was that Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek. <clears throat> Why was there a need for a change in the priesthood? Perfection. Yeah. What what we had, what God had put in place, was not permanent, and it was not.
0: And we couldn't dwell
1: with him forever for what was put into place. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to finish it off and fulfill it. What was required uh, for there to be a change in the priesthood? A change in the law. The covenant. Yeah, the law or the covenant or the dispensation had to change. It had to be a shift. Number seven, what evidence is there that the law has been changed? Right, right. If Christ had been of the lineage of Levi, then we wouldn't have this absolute change. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so obvious because he he was not a Levite. He was not not, It's Not a continuation of the law. It's not just a little small change. It's a new covenant. Because genealogies were big deals in under the law. Yeah, you can read Matthew one. Is that where it's at, or Mark? Those yeah, you've got Mary's genealogy and joseph's genealogy are both recorded in the, in the in the gospels uh number eight list some of the qualities of jesus priesthood uh he had surety of a better covenant he had an unchangeable priesthood isn't it great consistency unchangeable once you once you get the revelation it's not going to change it's you know uh he's able to save to the uttermost. You know,
0: it just changed on them. So they're like, you know, the Judaism to them, it's not going to change again, God. Here, right? We're telling you, you've got to change here, but it's never changing again. That must maybe assured them somewhat.
1: Holy. You know, my goodness, this is a holy priest. Um, you know, Jesus was the, the high priest and the, the Lamb of God. Isn't that awesome? Some of it kind of blows your mind. He's God and he's man. He's the high priest and he's the lamb of God. He offered up himself once for all. He didn't go kill a lamb. He did it himself. And he has perfected forever. We don't have any hope outside of that great high priest. And so chapter 7 is a, um, a, a almost a rifle point, almost a bullet point. On how important that priesthood is, and uh, don't look for another priest. He's he's your priest. You got your you got your priest, and uh, we're gonna pray and dismiss. Next week I've got the tabernacle, chapter eight and nine. Eight and nine. We're gonna cover two chapters. Yeah. And I told Sister Ellen to wear cheap shoes because I, it's gonna be so powerful. It's not just gonna blow your socks off. It's gonna blow your socks and your shoes off. Yeah. Cause I'm almost through with it. I'm almost ready to teach tonight. Yeah, matter of fact, I'll run home and get it. I'll run home and get it if y'all want to stay. Yeah, all right, let's let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can uh, have assurances in your your love and your mercy, and you're representing us to the to the Father, and that uh, you ever liveth to make intercession for us. Lord, we ask for revelation, knowledge, understanding that we would. Uh, thrive, and that we would have your rest, and that we, we would have your peace, and that we would trust in, in uh, your sacrifice, your holy sacrifice that you did, and, and you did it one time, and it was a perfect sacrifice, you the a spot spotless land, and you sat down, and now you're expecting, you're expecting us you know, to be your children.